Well, good morning. Last week, we started a new sermon series on the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. Paul, 1 Corinthians is an incredibly diverse and relatable book. It covers a lot of topics, divisions in the church, marriage, idolatry, image, love, body image, all of these topics that are so relatable to how we live our everyday lives. And so we're gonna spend the next several weeks looking at this book to try and figure out more about who God is and what he has for us. The church in the city of Corinth was struggling to walk the walk of faith and not just talk the talk. Corinth was a cultural and intellectual hub of the ancient world. And instead of living with the message of Christ at the center of their lives, the members of the church there were right out with everyone else pursuing social and cultural status. They struggled with believing that God was the source of true fulfillment and satisfaction and instead tried to manufacture it for themselves based on their own wisdom and power. They were not living in line with their values. And this came out in their behavior. They elevated worldly wisdom and power and fame above the teachings of Jesus. So in today's passage, Paul is trying to help them come back to the ways of Jesus and abandon the narrative that worldly wisdom and power and fame leads to a fulfilling life. He reminds them that the wisdom of God is wiser than anything they could learn or know or understand or live by on earth. And the power of God is greater than any power that exists on earth. Jesus is what they're looking for to satisfy their lives. So if you want, grab a pew Bible, grab your own Bible. Uh, we're on page 1623, 1 Corinthians. It's towards the back. And here's what Paul says to them in chapter one, starting in verse 18. We're gonna read all the way to verse 31. I'm gonna read it all right now, so stick with me. I'm gonna interrupt myself a few times and do some explanation along the way. But here's what Paul says to the church in Corinth, starting in verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. The intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. So where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of the age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its own wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. So he's saying that we as humans tried to figure God out on our own, but the ways of God are backwards compared to the ways of this world. So that preaching the gospel and the values of the kingdom of God, well, they looked really foolish to the world, but they work for the people who believe. Verse 22, Jews demanded signs and Greeks looked for wisdom, but we preached Christ crucified, which was a stumbling block to the Jews. And it was foolishness 
to the Greeks. So he's saying that in the way that Christ came and in the way now that he and others are preaching the gospel to the people, the Jewish people wanted and thought that a Messiah who came as like a political conquering king was going to be the way that their Messiah came. And so they didn't really understand this because Jesus was born as a baby to a peasant girl. It was not what they were looking for or what they thought he would be. And then to the Greeks of the day, Jesus didn't have the powerful characteristics that their mythological gods had. And the Greeks thought it was absolutely absurd that victory would come through death because death meant defeat. And so this message of a crucified Christ as a means to salvation just did not make any sense to them. Verse 24, but to those whom God called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. That's it. Christ is where we find salvation for the life to come and for fulfillment right now. He is God in the flesh. 25, for the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him about where they find salvation, how they attain salvation, because it is only found in Jesus. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us the wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, our holiness, our redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. The message of the cross leads us to truly fulfilling an authentic and a free life. But the kingdom of God seems foolish and backwards to those who don't know it or understand it. Having a personal relationship with Jesus is an invitation to a countercultural way of living and always leads to a fuller life. The cross stands alone in its power, its wisdom, its status, and no amount of worldly wisdom, power, or status that we ever attain is going to influence it or sustain us. N.T. Wright says that Paul came to tell the Corinthians that real power, real wisdom, fulfilling status comes through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's the craziest message anybody could ever imagine. It wasn't a smart new philosophy, he says. It was madness. It wasn't an appeal to high culture. It was news of an executed criminal from a despised race. That is where salvation is found. That is where wisdom, power, and status comes from. And so the basic question that Paul is asking the Corinthians right now is, is God at the center of your lives? Or are you at the center of your life?
trying to attain for yourself what Jesus has already attained for you. And for a lot of us, that feels like a really threatening question because it gets to the root of a lot of things that we may stake our identity on, our lives on. It confronts us with the reality that we might not be living for God. We might be living with God, sprinkled here and there throughout our lives, but we're still at the center of everything. We're still chasing after worldly wisdom, wealth, and influence to satisfy us. And the thought of living out of sync with the world, not valuing the same thing, not engaging in popular or common behaviors, wanting different things, pushes against a lot of insecurities. It reveals a lot about what we're really seeking after in life and what we value. If God is at the center of your life, then you're gonna live in such a way that it might seem foolish to other people. It might be foolish to your neighbors or to your friends, to your colleagues, to dating partners. It's because the cross-shaped life is different. The ways of the cross are not the ways of the world, which means that we can't always blend in if we're living with the cross at the center of our lives. I think it's so interesting to watch this play out on a national platform. Watching someone walk away from the worldly status or wealth or fame that they have received because they know it's not fulfilling and they want to go follow Jesus. They believe that the ways of Jesus are better than the ways of the world. And so they give up what so many of us look for and want in life. And there are people and examples of this, I think, in every major field, in, from Hollywood to politics to business and sports, people who decided to leave what the world was giving them because they knew what Jesus had for them was better. And one that captivated my attention was when Lauren Holiday re retired from the U.S. women's national soccer team. Now, if you don't know, this is a really big week for the U.S. women's national soccer team because the World Cup kicks off next weekend in Australia and New Zealand. And our U.S. women's national soccer team is historic in so many ways. We have won four World Cup championships, four Olympic gold medals, as well as, as a silver and a bronze. They achieved equal pay for female athletes and are incredibly well-known throughout the sports world. If you need a team to root for and you want to jump on the soccer bandwagon next weekend, I invite you to do that. They play on Friday night. They are going for their third World Cup victory in a row, and that has never been done by a male team or a female team. And in 2015, after winning a World Cup and two Olympic gold medals, being an MVP, being player of the year, being a Hall of Famer, Lauren Holiday decided that she was done. She wasn't injured. She wasn't too old. She wasn't out of shape. She wasn't cut from any roster. She just decided to walk away. And so many people looked at her and thought, what? How foolish. Why would she do that? The national team members were gaining so much fame, so much success, which continues today. Why would she walk away from it? 
And when she retired, she said this. She said, this team isn't my identity. It's a choice. There's power in making a choice. She was at the top of her game, but she knew that all of these worldly things weren't going to give her what she wanted in life. The actor Jim Carrey once said, I wish that everyone could get rich and famous and have everything they ever dreamed of so they could know that that's not the answer. The people of Corinth and us, the people of CPC, need to be reminded that the message of, cross, of the cross means that those of us who follow Jesus find fulfillment and satisfaction in life because of what Christ has done for us. So how do we live counterculturally and live with Jesus at the center of our lives and our worlds today? Well, if you live with much of your life in the business sector, the wisdom of the world tells you to look out for yourself, to advance your own career as much as you can, to knock out anybody who gets in your way. It's advantageous to cheat, embellish, stretch yourself so thin that you burn out all so that you can get the status or at the level that you deserve. So living counterculturally to that would include serving others with no regard for personal cost, lifting up your coworkers, looking out for others and sacrificing for others. It means engaging in conflict differently, managing and leading people differently with care and compassion and encouragement, supporting people personally and professionally. Living with Jesus at the center of your life means that he informs how you work. Or if you're in a dating relationship, the wisdom of the world tells you to do what you feel. It elevates emotions. It can be pretty self-seeking and self-gratifying. So living counterculturally to that narrative with Jesus at the center means that you're seeking the other person's best interest. You're not just making decisions with emotions or hormones. You're communicating well. You have healthy physical boundaries because you're lifting the other person up above yourself. The wisdom of the world tells us that we need to be as influential as possible. We need to gain status through any measure. And the easiest way to do that right now is through social media. So the ways of the world might tell you to post and scroll and like and view all day, every day, because that's how you're going to find fulfillment. The ways of the world tell you that if you don't have a certain number of followers or likes or views, then you don't have much status. But living counterculturally to that narrative might mean that you limit your time on them. Maybe you unfollow people who aren't good for you or continually make you feel less than or insecure or like you're not enough. Maybe it means being hyper-vigilant of how you make other people feel on social media. Do you post things to show off, to gain followers or likes or views? Do you create or reinforce social hierarchies based on your social media presence? Do you let the reactions and responses to your social media post inform how you see yourself or others? 
I am not just talking to teenagers right now. There are a lot of us who get caught up in this. Living counterculturally is meant to permeate every area of our lives because following Jesus is meant to permeate every area of our lives. So where is it that God is calling you to live counterculturally? Maybe it's with how you earn or spend your money. Maybe it's how you engage in conflict. Maybe it's how you display patience to your neighbor or not engaging in gossip. Maybe it's what you sacrifice to care for someone else. Maybe it's learning to listen and ask questions to, with that person who has a completely opposite political view than you do. Having a personal relationship with Jesus is an invitation into a countercultural way of living and always leads to a fuller life. Knowing Christ personally is the greatest wisdom anyone can have. Paul is declaring that no amount of human knowledge can replace or bypass Christ's work on the cross. At the end of the passage, Paul tells them what they already have in Christ. In verse 30, he says, it is because of him, God, that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. The message version of the Bible by Pastor Eugene Peterson says it this way. Everything that we have, right thinking, right living, a clean slate, a fresh start, comes from God by way of Jesus Christ. What does it look like for you to come back to the ways of Jesus to put Jesus at the center of your life instead of yourself, instead of the wisdom and the ways of the world. It might look foolish to other people, but it will lead to true fulfillment in life. So I want us to try something this week. I want each of us to ask God what it is, where it is in our lives that we need to move ourselves from the center to him, to the center. It could be with anything, work, sports, parenting, friendships, social media usage, phone usage, TV streaming usage, while we run errands, while we sit in traffic, when we hang out with extended family, ask God to enter that space with you and show you where you need to move him to the center. I'm gonna choose social media. And specifically in the morning when I get up. Because when I go out to my living room, I take this with me. I watch some news. I have my breakfast. And then I scroll before I open my Bible. And because of it, and because of how tempting this thing is and distracting this thing is, sometimes I don't get to reading my Bible because time has gone and I need to get ready for work. And so this week... I'm going to leave this in my room and not have it be one of the first things that I look at because I don't need it to be the first voices that I hear in the morning. I need God to be the first voice that I hear. So what is it for you? Let's choose Jesus. There's power in choice. And let's let him move and work and form and shape our lives around his ways. Everything 
that we have. Right thinking, right living, a clean slate and a fresh start comes from God by way of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, thank you for how you continually love us and gently call us back to who you are and to our place in you. God, true fulfillment, true satisfaction, it's only found in you. And I praise you for being a God who gives us so much grace and so many chances and so much forgiveness to learn this in our lives. May we be people who depend on you, who trust in you, who have you at the center of our lives, that we don't need to rely on anything the world gives us because ultimately it will all be hollow and instead rely fully on you. Thanks for your word and for what you're doing in and through our lives. In your name we pray, amen.